0: This spring, we're focusing on the disciplines of the spiritual life. And we're doing this because we want to grow in relationship to Jesus. We want to learn the patterns of behavior that make room for God in our lives so that he's more able to help us grow and to change us. The structure and subject matter for this series that we're in was actually suggested to us by a classic book Uh, which I highly recommend. It's called Celebration of Discipline. And it was written by Richard Foster. It's an old book. It was written in 1978. Uh, If you read it, you'll find what an influence this author has had on us. And I know that not everyone likes to read books, but this morning, I really want to suggest that you should consider buying it and, and reading it. And I'm doing that today because the spiritual discipline that we're going to learn about is the discipline of study. I'm going to do my best to show us how study is actually a discipline of the Spirit and then to offer some guidance on how to do it. Jesus was asked which commandment was the most important of all the commandments that God gave to his people. Maybe you remember that he responded by saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Loving God with our minds means learning the discipline of study. When we do that, God changes us through our minds. Our faith increases and it expands and it gets deeper and our love for God grows through the exercise of the gift that he's given us in our capacity to think. Let's start this morning with a simple definition. Study is the work of understanding a thing in itself. A process with intentional cognitive steps aimed at knowing something truly on its own terms in the way its unique qualities invite understanding. So if it's a machine taking apart all the pieces and seeing how they fit together, or if it's a flower observing it not only with your eyes but also taking time to smell its fragrance, if it's a bird taking it out of the lab and then releasing it so it can fly, if it's something that's written learning the language, and then entering the world that the author invites you to come into. Whenever you engage in genuine study, whatever the subject, your spirit expands. And you are changed for the better. You grow no matter what you study because God is the creator of all things. And when you turn your attention to the study, not of any and everything, but the scriptures themselves, then you grow in a unique way. You'll find that your faith, the disposition within you to trust God, grows as you work at loving God with your mind through the study of scripture. Our guide today is going to be the Apostle Paul. We're going to observe the encouragement that he gave to a younger colleague with whom he'd worked for a long time, but from whom he was separated. If you have your own Bible, find your way to the letter of 2 Timothy. When this letter was written, Timothy was in the city of Ephesus, Paul was somewhere else. And Paul had heard that his friend was struggling Life had become a grind for Timothy, and as a result, his faith was languishing. Now, look at Paul's guidance in the middle of verse 6 in the first chapter. This is what he tells this young man. Rekindle the gift of God that is within you. The gift of God that was within Timothy was the gift of a vibrant faith, which blazed like a fire. But over time, the flames had diminished, and all of the fuel was burned up, and now there were no more flames, only embers and ashes. If you can relate to feeling like that, take a moment to recall those brighter days in your faith. Before this letter was written, Timothy had spent lots of time with Paul in ministry, traveling to new places to plant churches. On the road together, they talked about Jesus. Timothy learned as Paul opened the scriptures in the synagogues and taught the gospel to new communities of believers. It was an amazing time in Timothy's life. But now, all of that is behind him. He's not with Paul anymore. He's on his own in Ephesus, and that's a city which is a hard place to be and have a faith that goes on burning, especially because at this time, some deeply misguided teachers had appeared and they were very influential. As Paul says, they had corrupt minds and counterfeit faith. They were constantly wrangling about words. They were stirring up stupid and senseless controversies, spreading hopeless lies and initiating fights that weren't good for anyone. Does that sound familiar to you at all? when you think about our own time in this environment, Timothy's faith had diminished like a fire that was being smothered, not enough fuel to go on burning. And so it needs to be rekindled in order to thrive again. Timothy has to add something. And so what Paul does is encourage Timothy to re engage in the discipline of study. Find your way over to chapter 3, verse 14, and listen to what Paul tells this young man of faith. Verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Now, continuing in what you have learned is another way of saying, go back to the work of study. It's time to recommit to loving God with your mind. Add the fuel that comes from applying yourself to increased understanding. Dedicated like a soldier, committed like an athlete, working hard like a farmer, keep on learning. It was Timothy's mother and grandmother who first taught him. They were the ones from whom he learned the faith. And Paul is telling Timothy to go back to learning like he used to. Now, the discipline of study is not something that a person knows how to do instinctively. It has to be learned, especially when studying something that is written and that was written a long time ago. I, for one, did not know how to study until after I graduated from college. I made it by without ever really learning how to do it. And it was in graduate school when I finally had a teacher who showed me how to study. Studying is not the same as reading. Many people think it is. It's not the same as scanning an article or listening to a podcast. Genuine and effective study involves at least three discrete steps. All three take time. All three have different goals, and all three have to be done in order, building upon one another. Now, here, it might be wise to take notes. I'm going to share these three steps in hopes that they help you, especially in the discipline of studying Scripture. The first step in study is understanding. Answering the question, what is the author saying? This is not as easy as it sounds. Understanding requires focused attention and discipline to set aside your preconceptions, not to judge yet as you're reading. And so with an open mind, you can receive the content which the author is giving, choosing not to react before you've taken the time to comprehend. Does that make sense? Once you've done that, the second step in studying is interpretation. Asking the question, what does it mean? Only after firmly grasping the content can you go on to develop an interpretation. And you're probably going to need help here. Historical and cultural information relevant to what you're reading. Maybe a teacher who spent more time on this theme who can clarify the meaning of obscure concepts or confusing subjects. This has to come After understanding and before the third step, and this is absolutely critical, the third step being evaluation. Asking, what do I think of this thing which I've understood and interpreted? Do I agree? Do I accept it or reject it? Without first comprehending, and, and completing those first two steps, you cannot answer this question responsibly. And the trouble with most of what we read, watch, or listen to on the internet these days is that it starts with this third step. Our favorite commentator doesn't teach us. Instead, he evaluates his subject as he's giving it to us. And so what happens is skipping over those first two steps, we're not really learning anything at all from him. We're just absorbing someone else's opinion. And and that can be good as far as it goes, but it's also not study and very, very frequently, the fire that begins when you start here is not a helpful fire. It's a dangerous one. I think it's, Why so many people have such strong ideas these days which have not been earned through the work of study and why there's so much destructive conversation about subjects which divide us because people have not actually studied them. They've just jumped to the third step and that burns people in a bad way. Not like the steady and strong flames which develop in your heart for faith when you engage in genuine study. And God made you with a mind and he wants you to love him with that mind of yours and that will take work. But if you're going to grow spiritually, which God of course wants you to, your faith will in fact be fanned into healthy flames when you add the fuel that comes from understanding, interpretation, and then evaluation. This is how you love God, the creator of all things, with that mind that you've got. Now, now, this is something that's magnificent about God. He's actually made it so that whenever you apply yourself to the study of whatever subject you are deeply interested in, whatever it is, your spirit is going to be enriched. Your soul is going to be enlarged studying nature if that's what interests you will cause your heart to expand and you will grow deeper in love for the creator or if it's people that, that you're interested in, or culture or art or, or music or whatever it is, or yourself, if you will apply your mind to the study of that subject, then it will have an impact that is magnificent. Every kind of genuine study will be good for your soul and and here you should follow your instincts wherever they lead you and practice growing through study. but then but then if you want to grow in here with your faith, if you want to see your faith expanding and becoming a bright and constant fire rather than the embers, which perhaps like Timothy's had been smothered by the ashes, then you've got to also dedicate yourself to the study of scripture. Paul makes this clear to Timothy as he points specifically to where he should continue learning. And look with me at verse 15. Paul writes... And how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The sacred writings are the scriptures, which offer instruction that leads to salvation through Christ Jesus. The word of God, to which the scriptures bear witness in the power of the Holy Spirit, uncovers the pathway to salvation, trusting Jesus Christ. That is the thing which God wants more than anything else for us. It is that we should trust Jesus and receive salvation because of it. And here is what makes scripture different from every other writing. The Bible is that unique subject which when we study, God meets us in Christ. Bringing about the faith that saves when we study scripture. Not just listening to someone else talk about Scripture, no matter how winsome they are when they do so. Not just reading Scripture devotionally in the morning, but studying it. And here's where all of us will need help. I I also need help, even as I've been studying it for a long time. To be practical, if at this point in the message you're thinking, maybe I should start studying Scripture more than I have, which I hope for, I'm going to give you two resources that I've found helpful to begin with, Both of them are books that were written by two authors, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. Those two co-wrote two books, Gordon Fee, F-E-E, and Douglas Stewart, and their books are called, the first one, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, and then the second one, How to Read the Bible Book by Book. Okay, not everything in there is going to be perfect, but no no book is perfect, but both of them I've found very helpful in developing the simple discipline of becoming a better studier of the Bible, and I commend them to you. Get your hands on them, and then begin the practice of the discipline of study, and you will see your faith growing. You will. Uh, If not... Whether it grows or not, that's quite arbitrary. But if you will, the promise is that it will grow. And the way in which it will grow is also revealed in what Paul says to Timothy in this text. Uh, Look with me at verse 16, and, and you can see what to anticipate when you start studying Scripture. We're going to spend some time on this verse. 16 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Four specific ways that Scripture is useful, four ways it functions when we apply ourselves to the discipline of study. We're going to take our time here noticing first why Scripture is uniquely useful. Did you see it at the start of his statement there? All Scripture is inspired by God. In Greek, it's God-breathed. The unique capacity of Scripture to fuel the fire of true faith in you is a function of its origin, where it comes from. It is breathed by God. That is a very beautiful image. It is written by people in real circumstances, located in their own time, but breathed into them by God, like the sails of a boat are filled with the wind so that it can move. When you study scripture, understanding, interpreting, and then evaluating it, it's like you are breathing in God's spirit, inhaling divinity through the text. When you do that, It's useful in four ways, according to Paul. Let's take them one at a time. First, it's useful for teaching. This isn't complicated. Scripture gives us helpful information which we wouldn't otherwise have. Apart from God's Spirit speaking through His Word, There are things which we wouldn't know and we can't teach ourselves, but Scripture can. And when we study Scripture, it teaches us like this. Most of us have grown up in a merit-based culture. We've learned to anticipate rewards for good behavior. That's you, right? So, we instinctively hide our failures and shortcomings from God. Can you see this pattern in your own life? Just like a child who's done the wrong thing, naturally hides it from his parents. But when we study scripture, it teaches us not to behave like this because it's not the right way to relate to God because God doesn't operate on a merit-based structure. It tells us that when we have sinned, if we tell God about it, he's faithful to forgive us and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and to make us brand new. We wouldn't know that if we didn't read it in Scripture, but when we study Scripture, it teaches us. That's one of the many things it teaches us. It's useful in that way. Here's the second way. It's useful for reproof. Convicting us of wrongdoing by exposing hidden sins. Reproof is shedding light on a deficiency, a mistake, a transgression, and then immediately pointing the way to restoration, the path back to God, repentance. Apart from Scripture's reproof, again, we would not know that we were on the wrong path or turn around. I had a conversation recently with a good friend from Renaissance who was concerned. He said, I'm afraid there are a lot of folks who come to church who don't know that they need to be forgiven do you think there are folks who come to church who don't know that he suggested that i should work harder at showing them where they needed to repent i told him i'm not sure that i have the ability to do that but scripture does it says so here that's one of the gifts of scripture it is useful for reproof exposing mistakes that need to be corrected here here's a practical exercise for you if you need an example take the time to read Matthew chapter 5 through 7. This is Jesus teaching on the mountain to the disciples. Read that with an open heart, and you will see how Scripture reproves not other people, but you too. And then you'll be guided back to the right path. Scripture's useful for that, secondly. Here's a third way. Paul says it's useful for correction. Now this word sounds like less correction. In English than it is in Greek. It sounds like it's giving the right answer when someone gave the wrong one. This word depicts something more dynamic, an event in which a person who has been knocked down is lifted back up so she can stand on her feet again. Have you been knocked down? Or an event in which a man who has been walking on the wrong path isn't only told that he's on the wrong path, but is lifted and then carried and his feet are set down on the right path so he can start walking in the way of life instead of the way of destruction. That's what correction is here. And this also is one of the ways that scripture is useful. Studying scripture is not only going to expose fault, it also will get you back on your feet. It will get you walking in the right direction with wisdom and truth that are restorative. Read the book of Proverbs carefully, study it, and you will see this quality also in Scripture. And then lastly, uh, Paul says, fourth, Scripture is useful for training in righteousness. The ongoing process of growth and development from lesser to greater is enabled by the study of Scripture with practical steps for becoming like Christ. That's what it means to be trained in righteousness. With vision for how to walk worthy of God's calling, for how to stand out in the world through good so that you're shining a light that attracts people to God as you are growing in the grace and love of God. These four functions... They all result in in their combination in a single outcome, which is the ultimate goal of study. And that's what's articulated in the last verse we'll look at together in verse 17. Here's what happens when scripture functions like this in your life, verse 17. So that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This is magnificent. It's, it's what distinguishes, among other things, the study of Scripture from every other study. Its goal is not that you know more than other people or that you can be proud of what you've learned or put other people in their place by arguing for the right understanding rather than the wrong. None of that is what studying Scripture is meant to do. Instead, every one of us should work at the spiritual discipline of study so that we will become, as, as Paul says, fully capable of doing good things in the world, which is in desperate need of people who are equipped for doing good things. That's the ultimate goal of the spiritual discipline of study. Please now think about yourself. If there's ever been any longing in your heart to be useful in the world, in reaction to some problem that you've seen out there, if you ever thought, I wish I could do something about it, If you've ever been stirred up to feel this sense that I know God has made me for more than what I'm contributing right now. Here, this teaches us that God put that desire within you to be particularly efficient in in good works. And, And here we're learning from Paul that the pathway to becoming productive in good things is study. Because it will, in fact, enable you to become outfitted with every instrument and tool required for the specific task that God had in mind for you personally when he created you and rescued you from sin so that you could serve him all the days of your life without fear. The Bible teaches us that's exactly why God has saved us for the good works that he had in mind when he did so. Your faith is meant to burn brightly, It's not meant to languish and and, and be like an ember under the ashes. It's meant to blaze like a light in the darkness, pointing others to the goodness of God as you discover the good works he made you for. And when the practice of study results in the kind of transformation that follows teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, then you will shine. Then the gift of faith, which God has given you freely, will be rekindled, and you will burn brightly. Maybe you'll burn brightly in your work as a research chemist or an oceanography professor or a young poet writing from her heart. Or a car mechanic making cars run better and faster than they used to. Or a teacher working at helping others learn English. Or a manager of an important team at a hedge fund. Or a 7th grade American history teacher. Or a commercial real estate broker. Or a lawyer who moves capital from here to there. Or a retired engineer who volunteers at church. Or a parent who gives and gives and gives for the children. Or a young doctor who's at the beginning of his career. Or a sixth grader who is learning to be a good friend. Or an entrepreneur who's striking out in a new direction with a real estate uh, venture that he's never done before. And if these sound specific to you, they are. They're the people that I know in this church, just some of them. Whatever the calling that God has for you. Excuse me, I'm getting emotional because it's exciting to think about people that God has put in my life who are ready to grow and thrive because of this word. It's very exciting to me. Whatever the calling that God has for you, the world world needs you to develop the spiritual discipline of study so that you are loving God with your mind and God is igniting faith in you, rekindling the gift of faith for the good of the world that God loves more than we could ever guess. So let's pray and ask for his help so that this is a beginning for us to growing with our minds. Let's do that. God, we thank you so much for the gift of your word, which helps us understand the ways that you've designed us so that we can grow. We thank you for Paul's exchange with Timothy and the friendship and the work that you gave them to do together. And we thank you that This morning we've been able to overhear this encouragement from Paul to Timothy about disciplining himself to learn and study the Scriptures. We praise you that you've given us minds with which to love you. We thank you that We can become interested in almost anything in your creation and we pray that we would learn the discipline of studying what you've put in our world, especially the discipline of studying your word. And then we ask that it would have the impact upon us that you've promised through your word that it would. Teach us what we need to learn, expose those mistakes in our lives that we need to correct, Pick us up and put us back on our feet. Help us get on the right path and then train us to be people who shine as we stand out in this world which you love. And then help every one of us have faith which is rekindled and burning brightly as we learn to study your word and become equipped for all of the good works that you have for us. And then finally, Father, I ask not only that you would do that for each of us individually, But I pray that Renaissance Church would be a church that is effective at loving you with its mind, with the ability that you've given us as a community to see and understand and grow. And then I pray that through this church, you would bless this world which you love. And I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.